0: When we started this podcast back in early 2020, right at the start of the COVID pandemic, I shared that we were all gonna obviously see a health crisis first. This was going to be followed by a financial crisis that would then result in a societal crisis. And finally, we'd see a mental crisis. Now, it's it's no wonder that we would see these these steps unfold in the way that they did, particularly as the world continues to go through a period of exponential change, now even more than ever before since we've entered into this age of AI. And for many... Change can feel scary, it can feel hard, it can feel painful to the point where it just simply takes a mental toll on all of us. That's why on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast, I want to share a resource with you to give you, to give your team some hope as you continue to guide people in the communities that you serve beyond financial stress to co-create with them an even bigger, better, and brighter future for all of us. Greetings and hello. My name is James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Behind the Cover series where Audrey Kanata, our operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute, and I, we're going to go behind the cover of a book that we've been reading to guide you and your team along your journey of growth at your bank, at your credit union, or at your fintech. And today we're going to be discussing a book that was written back in 2002 by David Dibble titled The New Agreements in the Workplace. Now, even though this book was written over 20 years ago, the insights shared inside still apply, perhaps even now more than ever before, so that you can continue to guide yourself, to guide your team towards creating an even bigger, better, brighter future for your account holders. That's because a positive digital experience, the DX, if you will, is rooted in a positive human experience, the HX, but all of that is founded on a positive EX or a or an employee experience welcome to the show audrey it is always good to go behind the cover with you
1: thank you james robert happy to be back as always
0: before we get into talking the new agreements in the workplace what is good for you right now personally or professionally it is always your pick to get started on the podcast
1: Well, professionally, I just started yesterday the Daily Stoic Leadership Challenge with Ryan Holiday. Uh, Super excited about that. It's a nine week mastermind course that really applies uh, ancient wisdom to the modern day leader. And I think, you know, that actually plays perfect into our conversation today. Uh, with the new agreements, because it's really all about, you know, philosophy and that ancient wisdom and how we can use that uh, to better ourselves as a leader. And, you know, I'm a big history buff, (laughs) you know this. So anytime I get to combine, you know, the the lessons of the past, history, philosophy, uh, to the current I think it's wonderful. I think it's just a testament to where a lot of these principles really just stand the test of time.
0: And I think that's the the thing. It's about principles Um, and principles are guiding lights. They're North stars to create a, an even bigger, better, brighter future with truths that have stood the test of time. And You mentioned uh, Stoic Wisdom and Ryan Holiday. That was a book that we discussed. The Obstacle is the Way. I know that's a a podcast that we share very frequently with members in our community and also with the financial brands that we coach and advise. But you and I also discussed another book on this podcast titled The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And, And that is also one that we share quite often. Before we get into the the new agreements in the workplace, what's the connection here between the four agreements and, and the new agreements?
1: Yeah, so the four agreements, I mean, that is just one of those books that I recommend everybody reading. I think everyone could really benefit from it. It's so practical and simple, but also so, so powerful. Uh, so this book was written years and years ago by Don Miguel Ruiz, and he uh, actually connected with and, and really imparted his ways into uh, David Dibble, who is the author of The New Agreements in the Workplace. And this was actually David's first book, and I just found out about that last week or, uh, or so when I posted on LinkedIn, and he let me know that this was a labor of love. So it's really taking those principles from the four agreements And then applying those in the workplace. I think a lot of times, you know, we think that our personal growth is separate from our professional growth, but this really shows how those two are so interconnected.
0: They are interconnected, and that's something that I'm writing to in my second book, Banking on Change, where I'm presenting the perspective framed around exponential growth. Exponential growth is where one perceives uh, or they feel like, and we're going to talk about feeling today, that they are growing personally and professionally at the same exact time. We cannot separate them. And once again, coming back to this idea of ancient truths, the subtitle of the new agreements in the workplace is releasing the human spirit. And I want to get your take on this because When you think about releasing the human spirit, why might it be important now, maybe even more than ever before for financial brands, for banks, for credit unions, for fintechs even, to think about the potential growth opportunities that they can create or capture by releasing the human spirit within their organization, particularly as we're continuing to move further into the age of AI?
1: I think right now it's so important because there's a lot of change going on around us. Um, a lot of changes that affect our personal and our professional lives. You know, after COVID, a lot of our workplace structures changed and we have all this new automation, AI, technology. And so I think you really have to start within. If you're going to grow and learn uh, professionally, you have to start it at a personal level. And that's really where it starts with, you know, that idea of, of, of spiritualism, um, really thinking about your mindset first, because you're not going to be able to adapt to change. Professionally, If you're not able to do it and cope with it on a personal level. So I think it's, it, again, it's really taking those two personal and professional, blending them together so you can achieve that exponential growth.
0: Well, if I think back to the last 20 plus years of the work that I've been doing as a digital anthropologist rooted at the intersection of marketing, sales, technology and human behavior. It's the human behavior that I'm finding organizations probably struggle with the most, whether that be human behavior internally or in the case of financial services, human behavior externally. Um, You know, when you think about this idea of quote unquote digital transformation, 60 to 85% of all digital transformation projects either fail or they fail to meet expectations, not because of the technology, but because of the people that are having to apply this technology. And that's where the new agreements in the workplace comes back into into play because there are five agreements that are shared within this book that I believe can help financial brands inspire human transformation internally to then elevate the lives of their account holders in, uh, externally. And, and when you think about human transformation in the context of digital transformation, what comes first? It's a chicken or the egg principle. And one of the things that I've experienced is when the human transformation either proceeds or coincides with the digital transformation, The digital transformation leads to digital growth, which is that much more powerful. And that's where I want to break down each one of these new agreements for the workplace while also providing some, we'll call them practical actions that someone who is watching or listening can take. Starting with the first agreement here, which is find your path. What does that mean? Find your path.
1: No, it's all about finding your purpose, your personal purpose. Um, you know, the the greater good that you're looking to, to do. This is this is beyond uh, making money or generating revenue. It's it's where are you creating value? Where are you making the world a better place? Find that special passion of yours that you can apply. Because it all starts from within. And I think as a leader, you've got to have that, that personal purpose first. We all, probably many of us have heard Simon Sinek's start with why. It starts with that individual purpose. That really is what I think elevates you and gives you uh, the motivation. And I think when you're working towards a higher purpose, the money will find you naturally. You know, when you're working because you are really doing something good and you're trying to, to create a positive impact, the money will follow. And you have to trust that. And I think it's oftentimes we get it backwards. Uh, and that's
0: just not sustainable, in my opinion. Well, you look at it and and I'll just use myself as an example. Um, I was hundred percent focused on money for the first decade. Uh, but it almost and it did. it 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 caused my downfall. Uh, I reached a dark night of the soul moment back in two thousand and twelve and And that's where uh, David Dibble writes. He, he he goes, quote, "The key to change and to the key to changing is not to try to change." but to first become aware of what's happening in the moment. And when he's talking about this idea of finding your path or your purpose, this is about mastery of awareness. Why do you think, whether it's an individual or a team or an organization, there might not be much awareness into why an organization does what an organization does, why a bank or credit union does does what a banker credit union does now we know that you know it's it's about the transaction if you will but i think that's the old world view as we're moving into a new time period to look beyond the transaction to put the transformation of people over the transaction of dollars and cents why might there be a lack of awareness here to begin with in the first place and to why we do what we do
1: you know, that's a really great question. I mean, I think part of it just comes down to being intentional with, with communicating your message. It's easy to, to get caught up in, you know, the day-to-day and the tasks. I think when, when someone asks you what you do and and your answer is, well, I create graphics or I create spreadsheets or whatever it is you do. I mean, yeah, sure. That is your day-to-day task, but it's, it's not the why. And I think, When you've got this awareness of of the greater purpose, when someone asks you, what do you do? What do I do? You know, I I create uh, an opportunity for people to have a bigger and better, brighter future through financial freedom and financial education. When you're working towards that, that is your motivation. I think that's what gets you going every single day. But I think a lot of times we just don't take the time to communicate that uh, with our team and and build that up and and empower them to to work towards that belief and we just get kind of caught up uh, in the dollar sign you know it's a lack of awareness from the top down and and just how powerful it can be when when you have this common language and you're all working towards the same purpose and the shared goals together Uh, so I think it's just people don't know people aren't aware that this is such a powerful uh, tool
0: Yes. And that's where in banking on digital growth, I put purpose at the center of the digital growth blueprint uh, because it's so easy to talk about, well, this is what we do. Back to your example of the graphics or the spreadsheet or, you know, we we give loans and we take deposits. We talk about what we do, or, or this is how we do it, if, if you will. But what what we really, I think, the opportunity for exponential growth, whether that be personal growth, professional growth, or both, comes from is, is why we do what we do. And that makes me think about uh, Mike Shrog over at Sentier Bank, family-owned bank, started in 1895. And Mike uh, set the organization down a path, a new path, to enrich lives through financial guidance, for an even better tomorrow. And that has become a North star that is being socialized throughout the organization. But this came back to the point of gaining awareness and awareness is gained through learning. It is gained through creating space and time to think about what you've learned. And that leads to quote unquote, knowing, but knowing does not lead to growing, knowing will only lead to growing when we make a commitment to apply what we learn and escape the cave of complacency. And I think one of the best ways to escape the cave of complacency and and what we have known to be true so far that we find comfort and solace in, but can be very dangerous to get trapped there, leads us to the second agreement, which is to love, grow, and serve your people. Where are the biggest opportunities here?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that, that David Dibble writes about is your organization is a living being. You know, it is made up of living beings. And so you have to love and and grow and serve your people as such. And And the very first thing he says is to love your people. This is not liking your people or enjoying their personality it's it's about the definition of love like you have shared many times it's willing the good of others it's wanting to see them succeed it's believing in them and and supporting in them so that's the first and foremost When, when you think about love i think sometimes it's hard to talk about that word in a professional setting
0: I want to pause Um, you on that why why is that because you know this chapter opens up with a quote from the Lebanese poet uh Khalil Gibran who notes that all work quote all work is empty save where there is love end quote why why do we have such a hard time talking about this you think
1: I think it's love is an emotion. We use it when we're talking about our relationships, whether or not you're in love with your partner or your spouse, you love your children. And so we've kind of limited our, our thinking on what that word love means instead of broadening it out. And so when you think about love and, and if you just focus on that that definition of willing the good of others, I think it makes it a little bit easier to talk about. And and especially in a business setting, we try to keep things professional and especially in, and I think, our industry too. It's uncomfortable. You well, know what? I think it just comes down to being uncomfortable with using your emotions and using that word.
0: I think love goes beyond emotion. Love is a choice that we have to make. Coming back to, and I think that's one of the reasons I like Thomas Aquinas' definition it's a choice to will the good to want the good of another human being and that's where i come back to you know i I mentioned mike shrog over at cintere with this purpose that they're moving towards to enrich lives through financial guidance for an even better tomorrow well what's the root of that is mike's servant heart culture and you know one of the things that david dibble writes about he goes without love there is much to fear and i want to quote this Why don't, and I'm, uh, this from the book, why don't we love our customers? Fear. Why do we have so much turnover? Fear. Why can't we work together? Fear. Why don't we change, really change our organization's fear? Why is morale so low? Fear. How do we overcome fear within ourselves, within our teams, within our organizations to move forward with courage and confidence?
1: You know, it's funny because I actually wrote down, those are my note, my notes too. When we were talking about in this chapter, when it talked about love, grow and serve your people, I wrote down what is stopping this from happening. And it is fear, uh, 100% fear, whether it's fear because it's different, it's uncomfortable. When you talk about growing your people, investing in them, um, empowering them to level up. And learn more. There's a lot of fear tied to that. You know, we just spoke with someone in an organization who had an opportunity to to level up their expertise and get a certification. And their organization asked them to to sign a contract that said, if you leave within a year of getting the certification, you have to pay us back. That is coming from a place of fear, and it is giving a very bad taste in that person's mouth because what you're saying at that point is i want to level you up because i want to benefit from it not because i want scarcity versus
0: abundance scarcity versus abundance yeah
1: it is um you know life gives to the giver and so you have to have this faith and this trust in your people and you know what if you don't trust them then they probably shouldn't be in your organization. But I agree, it really comes down to this place of fear. And and the second part was talking about, uh, or the third part was serving your people, caring about them on a personal and a professional level. And I think there's a little bit of fear tied to that, breaking those walls down. When you're in this professional setting, you're used to keeping it to that subject matter. Um, but I think you've got to kind of break those walls down and be a little bit more vulnerable to really get to know uh, your people and see what you can do for them and care for them. And you're gonna get it in return.
0: Well, this comes back to, I wanna, I wanna come back to that quote that is so funny that you wrote this down, I wrote this down, but, but reframe this. Um, and I'm not gonna use the word love because, and even if I think about this idea, Muhammad Anwar, a friend of mine from a long time ago, um, wrote a book, and we talked about this on the podcast, called Love as a Business Strategy. And And I get it, Like when when and, and I address this in Banking on Digital Growth. When you look at the banker's brain, it is a beautiful mind, it is a smart mind, it is an analytical mind, it's the left brain, if you will. But what we're talking about is more of right brain, not just thinking, but right brain feeling so let me reframe this because before for context why don't we love our customers fear why do we have so much turnover fear why can't we work together fear why don't we change really change our organization's fear why is morale so low fear let's let's reframe this how do we love our customers to will the good of them how do how do we lower turnover to will the good of our team members how can we work even better together to will the good of each other. How do we change, really change our organizations? Well, we really have to change ourselves? To will the good of ourselves. And that's the thing, like when you think about this idea of, you know, well, it's fear. What is that rooted in? Maybe it's the fear of the self, maybe because I don't trust other people because I don't trust myself. That connects yeah. back to the original point of awareness and why awareness is key to to exponential growth to transformative growth but i think the good news here quantitative quanti- quantitatively quantifiably the good news and david dibble wrote about this and i'm gonna quote him he said it appears when the top 5 to 15 percent of a company including top management Have ignited the energy and the energy, if you will, here. He's talking about this idea of love, growth, service in themselves and are committed to a new vision. The entire culture follows. It's not a matter of if, but when. Think about that five to 15 percent being inspired that human transformation. That can lead to a massive transformation, transformative growth for the individual, for the teams and for the organizations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really does start from the leader, from the top down um, and ignite, like you said, igniting that fire, that passion um, so that it it is contagious. I think we underestimate as leaders how much our, our team and our organization is looking at us. And subconsciously or not, they're going to pick up on our behaviors. We are a model uh, model for them. And so we have to be really conscious about our, our words, our actions, because they're setting the example and they're setting the tone for the rest of the organization. Look at Zappos, you know, having a leader like uh, Tony Shea at the top. That organization, that business was crumbling, but because he had the fire and the passion within, I mean, he literally built that business back up from the ground with nothing, but because he he had the belief and the passion and the drive and his people saw that and they gravitated towards it and they wanted a piece of it and they believed in it. I mean, it was an incredibly remarkable story.
0: I think about uh, a CEO that I recently had a conversation with. And like I do all conversations, I opened up with, tell me something good. What's, what's been well for you. And this particular individual, every time I I speak to them, like, I don't know, it's been kind of a rough week. It's been kind of a rough month. And in this most recent conversation, I learned that they were having some challenges with retention and, uh, and turnover. Well? And I just like it, it was one of those things that the, the the leadership, if you will, of the CEO and how they're perceiving the future. And I think a lot of it is it's it's future based fear for this particular individual. How they're perceiving the future is directly influencing not just their thinking, not just their decisions, not just their actions in the present moment but more deeply their feelings and their emotions and and we're going to come back to that point here in just a bit yeah. this is why we have developed the future growth index mm-hmm. to provide a benchmark of where an individual or a team or an organization is and how they're perceiving the future, but then you can take that to the next level and we can look at the exponential growth index and how one perceives that they're growing either personally or professionally over the previous 90 days. And that's just a snapshot in time, but that's a great segue into the yeah. third agreement, which is yep. is to mind your mind in the moment. Why might this be such a struggle for so many in the present moment right now to mind their mind in the moment or mind their mind in the present moment.
1: Yeah, I love how you set that up with this being a struggle. I think, of course, it's about mindset. And, and we know that we talk a lot about having a positive mindset you know, versus a negative mindset. But we can talk about that a lot. We can say, let's have a positive mind. But in application or an awareness, I think the awareness piece is where we tend to fall off because if we're not constantly aware of our mind in the moment every single day, you know, we get lost in the day to day grind, things happening. And sure, let's all have a positive mindset, but things happen and it's not top of mind. And so that's when things tend to get to get lost And, and we lack that intentionality of really taking time to reflect about our mind that day and our mindset and our attitudes and our thoughts and so that's why I am so grateful for some of the forcing functions that we've built in uh internally and then and then shared with our uh the members in our in our uh, community it's a few different models that we use and and the very first one is we start every conversation with what's going well every conversation, whether it's just you and I, uh, kicking off on a random check-in, or or you know Tuesday morning, whatever. Or if it's us with the entire team, uh, organization, or if it's us meeting with our members, we always start off with what's going well because it really sets the tone for positivity, uh, gratitude. We have seen how this one question, five minutes. Yeah, you know, well, sometimes. You know, you and I can go on and on for probably 15 minutes on our what's going well, Uh, but just getting in this mindset and being intentional with it it completely changes the course of of that conversation for the better. Um, And it's so simple. It's so simple. I think it's so simple that it's easy to to overlook and not implement and think, oh, just a a question. It can't be that, make that big of a difference. But I promise you, if you do this and you commit to it, you will see the difference and the attitudes and the behaviors. And so doing that, you know, if you have five meetings a day and you start with that question, five times a day, that is five times you get to check in with yourself mentally, generate that awareness, reset on a positive note, then it's so powerful. And and another model that we do is we end the week Or end our meeting or whatever it is with what went well. You know, what were the wins for that day or that week? What's getting you excited and energized? What are the lessons that you learned? So that really, that, that one right there is generating a lot of awareness because you can look back and think, okay, well, maybe at this point in time, uh, I responded a different way or or I maybe could have done something a little bit better. So it helps you reflect a little bit. And then what are you looking forward to? You know, set the tone for the future going forward. So I think building in those those models and those frameworks are so important because we're all human. You know, if we don't have I'll be honest with you, if I didn't have that forcing function, uh, I may not do that. I may not have the, that that awareness or that um intentionality or even maybe the the discipline to check in with myself mentally on a day-to-day basis or throughout the day
0: well for the the naysayers I, I, I want to just address this for a moment because they're like okay Audrey you're just drinking the feel-good positive hippy-dippy right. juice Um <laughs> like life can't be all rainbows and unicorns no. and no that's that's not what we're advocating for and I think you speak to this honestly because you're like no you you can have a bad day or a bad week and and that's what we define as getting stuck in the gap where you are just griping about problems but the problem is where you get trapped in the gap and you choose to stay there can can you address that please
1: oh absolutely and I've said this so many times you know it's not about walking around with rose-colored glasses all the time and always happy. I mean, that's just not realistic. That's that's not human. And, and you're allowed to have feelings and emotions. You're allowed to be angry, upset, frustrated. That is completely okay. You're allowed to have a bad day. There's nothing wrong with that. I think what happens is, is we have to use that as either a learning experience or, okay, check it. I'm mad, I'm angry. That's a feeling. That's, but how am I going to respond? You know, how am I going to react to that situation? Because that's really what makes a difference. We can't control our emotions a lot of the times. In fact, it's healthy to feel all of the emotions. It's not healthy to suppress, you know, no anger, no sadness. You've got to feel those things to process. Um, But I think it, it really comes down to how are you going to respond? How are you going to move forward? How are you going to make that work? for you all right you know give yourselves five minutes ten minutes to gripe scream cry you know walk around blow off steam and then go on and move about your business but don't make it ruin the rest of your day don't have that situation trickle into the next meeting or the next day or bring it home with you take your time let it out and then
0: move on yeah you, this podcast is a great example of a negative experience that truth be told i bitched and complained about for probably a good couple of days and that's because COVID shut the world down right as i was launching banking on digital growth and as a result shut all of the conference speaking that i was supposed to be doing to launch the book and i did gripe i did complain i i, I was in the gap griping about problems but I made the conscious decision that I can't stay there. I got to move forward onwards and upwards and work with what I have and make it even that much better. And I think this comes back to the point that David Dibble is writing about in the book and I'm going to quote him, mind determines how we experience life and drives our behaviors end quote. And so what that means is like, if, if we're going to transform our experiences of the past, because, uh, Our our present day beliefs, if you will, that inform our actions, that inform our thoughts, that inform our feelings, those experiences, those present day experiences are rooted in past beliefs or past experiences. And so to transform our experiences, we must transform our minds. We must renew our minds, even, if you will. And this is coming back to a model that I've become aware of working with financial brand leaders now for over two decades. And I asked them, you see different through education and you can there's a lot of different ways to learn. Yes. Yes, I can. They, they respond. Okay. Well, when you see different, you're going to think different. They said, yes, I'm going to think different when I see different. And then I pause and then I say, well, what's going to happen next? And I'm telling you, and you've heard you've been on so many of these calls at this point, and it's the pattern of people. 98% of leaders respond, Well, James Robert, when I see different, I think different, well, I'm just gonna act different. And I kind of just give them a little bit of space and I say, Are you? And they look at me like, What do you mean? Of course I am. And I go, listen, I'll be the very first one to admit that I have knowledge, I have awareness that I need to. Take an action, a different action, be different, do different, but I choose not to. And then they're like, oh, you're right. Me too. To yeah. bridge the gap between the thought and the action comes down to one thing, and that's the feeling and the emotion.
1: Yeah.
0: As Neville Goddard wrote, the feeling is the secret.
1: Yeah. You have to have that belief from within with any change, any habit. Um, you're absolutely right. And I've experienced this so many times, James Robert, there have been so many things in my life that I know, you know, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do that, but I don't.
0: Well, the, yeah, was the feeling? It's that desire that comes from within that emotive state. It has to be greater and sometimes exponentially greater than the desire to remain the same. Like you said, you know, you need to do something different, but you're not, not because you don't know it. But there's this there's this, this emotive element with inside. I
1: think, I think it almost takes feeling a little bit of pain. You know, yeah. when you said the desire to to change, the desire to be better has to be greater than the, the desire to stay the same. Well, in many cases, it's because that desi- that that staying the same, when you stay the same, that hurts. And a lot of times I don't think we realize, especially in the case of you know, the financial industry, and a lot of the changes happening. We don't see the pain and we're not feeling the pain because we're not aware of just how much some of these changes or the lack of changing is really affecting us and, and mm. affecting our bottom line.
0: Well, e- even then you can take that to the external side when it comes to people in their relationship with money and finances. And, you know, I, I was talking with someone the other day that, you know, a lot of times there might be awareness that we need to take a different action, but we've become so comfortable with pain. We've yes. become so, so comfortable with pain that it's perceived to be more painful to make a positive change. Yes. So we're just going to stay with the pain, even though it hurts. We know we need to make the change, but that that perception is that change is going to be more painful than the pain we're experiencing right now.
1: A hundred percent. And I love that you say that because I just finished reading The Mountain Is You, and she really drilled in on this, uh, this idea that, even though the situation's painful because it's so comfortable. And I think we underestimate too how much, you know, science and and our physical bodies Mm. really play into this. Our bodies crave comfort, whether or not that comfort is good or bad, our bodies aren't processing good and bad. They know what they know. They know it feels normal and comfortable. So it is, it is painful to change even when we know that the change is better Our bodies are having to physically get used to and really shift, uh, shift its thinking and really create a new normal. And that is a painful process. For me, it helped me to realize that it's not me. It's not that I can't change. It's like I'm really having to reprogram my body in my mind to get some get used to something different
0: well that's you know you use the word shift and that's a great shift if you will so it's a total metastata statement but the fourth agreement is to shift your systems how can one practically do and what does that mean to shift your systems what does that mean and then how can one practically shift their systems
1: Yeah, So, of course, I love this because I am an initiating follow through with my Colby, and this is all about your systems and policies and procedures and practices and habits. And a lot of our systems that we have in place, sadly, are designed to catch people, not to help them. And so it's really important to take a look at all those systems. And, you know, these systems are supposed to make your, your team members, your employees' lives easier, you know, more, more efficient. It's not supposed to be in place uh, or there to um, to place fear in their minds. And I was just talking to a CEO a few weeks ago, and she was sharing with me there's there's been some pain on her team, and uh, they had just brought in a COO. And this team of hers had been working together for, you know, five, 10 years almost. And the COO came in and one of the first new policies or, or procedures he put into place was, and they're all remote, by the way, and they had to start tracking their their hours, you know, down to the you know, half hour. What are you doing every single day? You know, what time are you, are you in? What time are you working on this? What was your output? And the reaction was not good at all. Um, You know, these people felt like, well, wait a minute, you're you're coming in here. Are Are you trying to catch me? Are you trying to micromanage me? Shouldn't you trust me? You know, shouldn't we be looking at my output? Hey, what great things did you do today? Not, I need to see where you're spending every minute of your time. So it's things like that. It's those systems in place that are not necessary. I just read a process, uh, probably well, maybe about last year, I read that the new process book from the Traction Library, and it talks about how you don't need a system and a uh you know policy or for everything you know, a process for everything. Really stick to 20% of those critical systems that generate 80% of the value. And so it's really about empowering your team more, you know, taking less control away. And that's, that's challenging. I think that's a very hard one for a lot of leaders, uh, especially when they think that they're doing well. Uh, But I think that the, the reaction and the tone and the vibe that it sets out there is probably not a positive one. And if you can't trust your team members, you know, to to work on their own, that's also something that you should probably take a look at. Maybe they shouldn't be on your team.
0: Well, and I think that's the deeper perspective here because this is where principles come back into play uh ray dalio fantastic book on the subject of principles and we have our four principles for exponential growth the first one is to be the light there you go you're holding it up right now for those who are listening uh be the light make your bed it's the little things that matter most be a lifelong learner and then most importantly own it and you know i think that provides some quote-unquote freedom because it's very quick, we're very quick to identify if one is not living out those principles. It becomes very, very clear, very early, very often. But coming back to this idea of shift your systems, you know, whenever I wrote banking on digital growth, I looked at this from a perspective of DX plus HX equals growth, being a positive digital experience when combined with a positive human experience will lead to future growth. But through the COVID experience and then also just kind of reflecting on the last decade i was like no i was wrong on this and it's the whole reason i've been writing banking on change it's because i'm looking at this in parentheses ex plus hx meaning a positive human experience or positive employee experience when combined with a positive human experience can then be multiplied to create a positive digital experience but it all starts from within and that's why the opportunity is to begin with an objective diagnosis of the present situation. Start with the human condition first. Where, where have people been? Where are they right now? And then where would they like to go and grow next? But if we don't have that contextual framework of the past, the present, it's very hard to provide a path towards the future. And and many times we don't even create the space and time to do that type of reflective work, to do that type of diagnostic work. And that's why the future becomes the predictable past based upon the decisions that we're making in the present moment informed by past experiences. And so, I think the other important point you made too was the idea of the focus on the 20% that creates the the 80% of value. And we've been going through some of these activities here. It's like, we have tried things, they haven't worked. Okay, well, we're gonna remove those. And what are the few things that are creating the greatest value? Let's focus on and invest more into those areas and see what happens and and I think the 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 last point to this when it comes to shifting your systems and and I'm one I'm a big systems thinker um I just think in that type of a context but you got to take action this is where in banking on change I'm writing this principle of you have to act for growth where awareness plus commitment equals transformation cuz you can have the awareness once again yeah, you can be working towards transformation without awareness, which is pretty hard. or you even working towards the right thing? But to bridge the gap between the awareness and transformation, it comes down to the commitment. And that's where you have to take immediate action to get some quick wins, to create some momentum. And I think for those that have been in our programs, we're looking for those ways to help to, to get those quick wins, to build that momentum, because that creates confidence and confidence. It's contagious. And I think this all connects back of how to do this. Practically, it's the fifth agreement. Yep. It's to practice a little every day. What, what does that mean? And what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, I mean, I think it means exactly, exactly what it is, is, you know, you don't have to adopt everything, all of these new, you know, ideas and principles right away. It's, it's, to, it's, it's those micro changes. It's those micro habits. It's it's the 1% rule, you know, the, the James Clear, where if you just commit to making some sort of shift every single day, something small, one micro habit, and, and then build upon that, that's where the magic is going to happen. It doesn't have to be this, oh my gosh, I have to transform Overnight. It's just a little bit each day. And it's going to get easier and easier because each of those little micro habits will become subconscious. You know, you'll be doing them naturally and then you'll be focusing on something else to improve. I think that's really what it comes down to. Or, or maybe, you know, every single day, but also pick something uh, you know, quarterly to focus on. Have this your big quarterly focus.
0: What is the best way as we start to wrap up to give people that practical next best step, the one small commitment that they can make today to move forward and make progress along their own journey of growth, what would you recommend based upon what we've been discussing here around the new agreements for the workplace?
1: I would say as a leader and Take some time, take some time once a quarter to meet with your team. And this doesn't have to be every single person on your team. You know, if you have a large team, maybe you break it up and just do a few people here and there, spend an hour or 30 minutes with someone on your team. Ask them what you can do for them. Ask them how you can make their lives easier. Ask them what they need from you. That really is the essence of this book. It is it is being there and caring and loving your people. Um, I think it really starts there. James Robert, you are great at this. You know, you and I touch base all the time. You're always asking me, you know, what what you can do for me and it's going to come back in return. We've said this earlier in the show, life gives to the giver. When I, when your team feels that level of care from you, they're going to want to give it back to you.
0: But I think it's, you know, and I'll, and I'll kind of flip this around. I, I I even go so far as to hurt my feelings um, yes, <laughs> because I think- <laughs>
1: What annoys you about me?
0: Yeah, like what, yeah, what bothers you about me? What am I doing that annoys you? Hurt my feelings. Let me know because I think, that, that, that's the idea, too. Respectfully. Yeah, Of course. But you have to develop that level of trust and transparency. And if we think about the pyramid of human relationships, we talked about love before. Love is the pinnacle of, of a human relationship. And even the Greeks, there are five levels of love. Love is commitment. Love is willing the good of another human being. But at the foundation of every positive relationship, it comes down to respect and i think with this practical recommendation you're making there's no better way to show respect than just to be present for someone else in the present moment that's the best present we can give is just to to give them is just to give them our presence and our in the present moment without any other type of distraction and that 30 minutes to an hour you know every 90 days utilizing what's been going well as a model framework to walk through with them. What's been a win for them? What are they excited about? What have they learned and what are they looking forward to over the next quarter is something that anyone who is watching or listening can apply going forward.
1: Yeah. It's really planting those positive deposits.
0: Absolutely. And those build over time. They build trust over time. Trust is the sum of words and actions Audrey, this has been a fantastic conversation going behind the cover with you once again today. What is the best way someone can reach out and say hello to you to continue the discussion we've we've started here?
1: Oh, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn at any time. Reach out, message me, say hello. Give me a book recommendation. Always looking for more.
0: Always looking for more. We're always reading. We're always learning. It is one of our four principles for exponential growth, which is to be a lifelong learner but also to be the light, which I trust that we've shared some light with you today to guide you on your own journey of growth. Audrey, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and be the light.